The old witness of our diverse heritage is vanishing. Mr. Who are you? My identity is my superpower. Mr. Who are you? Who are you? Who is that guy? Which is the true identity? Who am I? Why am I here? We are what the world actually looks like. So I was at a stand-up comedy show here in Amsterdam recently, and it was uh, intermission, and I was getting a drink at the bar, and a uh, enthusiastic, possibly friendly person comes over to me and says, in a slightly American accent, where are you from? And I can't explain why I do what I do, but I turned to him and I said, um, well, no, no, just here. And he, very confused, said, I, I didn't know that was such a hard question. And I said, well, I would rather start with something like, uh, hi, hello, what's your name? And anyway, eventually we did start to talk, and maybe later we did talk about where we grew up and these sort of things. But the reason I start with this story today is it relates to identity, at least in the world I live in, in the place I live in, where so many people walk around in a so-called international city and they, they start with the question, where, where are you from? Because this somehow, I guess, uh, sets you on your path for relating to someone. Or, or what I sometimes fear is this puts someone in a box. This allows you to proceed with someone, maybe relate or, or just have more information without asking questions. Look, I don't know what it is about people, but where I live, there's a lot of talk about where you're from. And that's how people piece together your identity. I think identity is more layered, more complex, and certainly a, a more sensitive topic for me, perhaps, than some other people. Anyway, that was my most recent uh, moment where I was thinking about identity. Today on the program, hello, hello everyone, it's Citizen Reporter, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, Bicycle Mark, and indeed, uh, for those of you who have been following, we've been doing this series of programs that I recorded in South Africa, interviews, conversations, and the focus of that gathering was indigenous communities and their struggle and how to help, how to uh, do something, how to understand what these people are going through every day, right now, and how this happened and what can we do about it, of course. But today, I'm going to give you a slightly different conversation. I think it's all connected, including to my, my comedy club story from the beginning of this episode. It was a conversation that happened right there in Boshendal in South Africa on one of the last days uh, that we were present at this gathering. It was actually in a moment that the uh, indigenous community representatives, I almost said leaders, but really representatives, they were doing a live stream. And so, of course, I'm not uh, uh, representing any indigenous community, and I, I had interviews I wanted to do outside of that room. And I just happened to be sitting with a few friends from this gathering who were all from South Africa. And of course, just because you're from South Africa, that doesn't tell the complete story of who you are. Certainly not in a place like South Africa, but perhaps not in any country, really, nowadays. Anyway, today's conversation, I think, is a very special one. I think it fits in within this larger discussion of identity, of personal and community struggles, uh, groups of people as well. I think I've said enough. I will pass it back to me in the past, together with my friends at the table, as we discuss identity, South Africa, and, well, beyond. Um, here at the gathering, so we're at the V4C gathering, and there's a lot of discussion of difficulty, right? And there's a lot of bad news. Um, and I'm not of the, the world that says, we need good news. Uh, I'm a cynic uh, at heart. 
And uh, but at the same time, I, I can't pretend like I don't see beautiful things and that we don't have really great uh, ideas and and exciting connections with people. And there's a certain humanity that I enjoy. On that note, I should introduce or I should allow people to introduce themselves as they want to be identified because I'm really excited to have uh, three voices with me at the table. We're sitting outside uh, here <laughs> in Boschendal, which is South Africa, but it's a very specific version of South Africa that is arguably not representative of the country, or perhaps it is, you can help me with that. Because actually, everyone at this table, except me, is a South African citizen, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, so that's a unique moment here. That's the first time on my podcast. Oh. So I'm just going to go around, I'll, I'll turn in this direction, and you can say, hello, I'm so-and-so, if you want to say what you do, but you can also just say what you like or how you feel. There's no requirements okay hi um my name is ayanda Mwabe Mama. um i'm the founder of ikaba film festival uh which is we're based in the eastern cape here in south africa and my passion is heritage and finding ways of how we can preserve heritage and spirituality yeah hi i'm noni i work in impact film and i am passionate about including rural communities and all the conversations we're having around land, around, you know, just consulting them actually about the things that we're going through, such as climate change. Um, I find that they have a lot of the solutions that we need. Hmm. Passionate about human rights, especially for young girls and women. <laughs> I'm purposely laughing before he begins. Because <laughs> I think I'm kind of closing up. Hi, listeners far and wide, good afternoon and good morning and whatever part time of the day it is where you are. I come from Durban, uh, which is on the east coast of South Africa. A beautiful city, subtropical, beautiful curry. So if you're ever around, you touch base there. Curry better than the one even served in India. Mm. Yeah. Bold, bold statement. <laughs> well, it is because we, we, have, we have the highest population of Indian people outside of India. So it's influenced our cuisine. My interest, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so my, my interest is really in terms of education and working with youth in different spaces. And currently I work in a formal sector, but I don't want to say where. But in the informal space, it's within community and getting youth to go back to roots and remember who they are and connecting to the sense of being African and what that may mean in its different forms. I'm curious, there's so many, I think, emotions and thoughts that we've had over we've been here for the course of four days now uh and a lot of these discussions are are take us in directions take us sometimes deeper into something and you know this for example a lot of people here are involved in some way of either preserving heritage or going back to roots and, and identity comes up a lot yeah. right so a large part of this gathering is about indigenous communities in fact the indigenous communities are right now together in a room and somehow <laughs> We at this table are not involved. <laughs> now, I can't claim to be, I don't think, of an indigenous community. At least I've never identified that way, and no one who raised me taught me to identify that way. Um, although I was always raised knowing that just because you're, for example, Portuguese, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that's the end of our story. Mm. Uh, because Portuguese people are actually a mix of all these things that happened historically over the course of thousands of years. But... Um, as, as we sit here, you know, one of the statements that I find interesting, and maybe I'll start there, is the idea that if you don't know who you are, um, that can have an impact on you your whole life. And, and we see that in different ways. Can we start there? This idea of, and, and you can maybe perhaps better develop what I brought up of your own words, this idea that if you want to heal, that you, part of that is knowing who you are. But the way the world has been working over the course of many years, it's very hard to know who you are. Some would argue, perhaps listening, you don't need to know, mm -hmm. right? We make new identities, we move to cities. I also yeah. want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And in a city, you can become whoever you want, the dream, right? But there's something about that that sounds nice, yeah. but there's also something about that. Yeah. I think the, for me, it's, it's that realization that, particularly maybe I'm getting older, 
and <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, he's he's young. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> is the word strapping <laughs> young? Yeah, but I think I think there's that uh, for for most of us who come from uh, these mixed communities or blended communities, and not blended because parents were from different ethnic groups. It's a system, the apartheid system, which created an identity for us. So from around the 1950s, whatever our grandparents were before was eradicated and a new identity and label were given to us. Uh, in terms of my family, it even was a new language that came around with that new identity, a new form of schooling. And that was this Western schooling system that people had to go to, which then started to, in a sense, colonize. It's cliched now to use the word, but to colonize their minds and so many years later, I'm finding myself having to deal with this because when I go back to my family and speak to the older generation, there's this terrible discomfort. It's as though one is digging into closets and unpacking certain ghosts that should have been left to rest. And so I find that it's, it's my struggle and it's been a struggle for many people. So I'll give you an example. If you have, if you have come from a certain, if you're Portuguese, for mm. example, You'd never think of anything else. You never even think about your Portugueseness. It's just there, you know, in a Unless sense. Unless you're born in another country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when you wake up, and particularly in South Africa, where race is so contested, highly complex, uh, there's this constant push as to who am I? You know, I may look like another group, but I connect to another group, and it's that connection which is so deep and embedded in one's DNA that it can't be erased. And at some stage, I even think, is this perhaps what a trans person must go through? Mm. You know, we, as a male and a female, mm -hmm. you don't think about that. Mm. But when you're trans, it's constant on your mind. It's constantly questioning on your mind. And I don't speak for that community. But I can just speak for, for this aspect of race and identity. And I find that in the community I have of my upbringing, we have recently reconnected to, or have recently reconnected to, I find so many youth are struggling and are troubled and are easily prone to being prey to the ills of drug and alcohol abuse. So those pressures trigger them. And you ask why? And I find it goes back to identity because they don't know who they are. So I don't know if that kind of gives you some kind of background to this question. And therefore, this sense of identity is one that we have to work through. It's painful, but you have to go back to roots to understand who you are. We are who we are because of where we come from. And that impacts us in a big way. Yeah. Um, maybe what I can add, you know, South Africa is known as like this rainbow nation. And this is what we're supposed to be celebrating because we are different and dif as as different as we are we're supposed to be united but what we don't realize is that through being colonized as well when in the 1600s 1800s when we were introduced to certain um different spiritual you know uh, or religions different religions like when christianity was introduced um we were labeled primitive um, our way of doing things was actually something to be ashamed of. And that has been alive till today because we see that even today people are embarrassed to even do their own rituals to, to celebrate their own culture unless it's the 24th of September, which is our heritage day. And that is when we're supposed to wear all this, you know, um, traditional attire and everything. But deep down, how do we then, what do we contribute to the world if we cannot even, if we do not even know who we are? You know, so for us, I think we really need to go back to like the essence of who we are and celebrate that there are different ways of knowing, there are different philosophies, you know, um, there's African indigenous knowledge systems as well. And that needs to be incorporated as well in our health, in our education. And for us, we need to realize that we've got something to add to the world instead of just saying, okay, we'll take this, what we've been given and actually move on with that. So for me, that's the biggest problem that we need to unpack at the moment. Yeah, for me, I, I actually just am taken back to the conversation we were having before um, this recording about um, who's indigenous and who's not. So as someone who, I live in a city, 
Cape Town and I've lived here all my life. And my grandparents, uh, I have two sets of grandparents, but they're from my, my maternal sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, um, they were forcefully removed from Simon's Town, which is now a white area close to the harbor in Cape Town. And it's the beach, uh, down below and then behind you is the mountain. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my grandparents were forcibly removed there and replaced in Guguletu, basically packed on top of each other. That's how people live there. And um, everyone's dream is to make it out of the hood, basically. So you want to get a job um, at a nice, uh, you know, company that's that's got benefits and everything so that you want to make it out of there. Mm. But our roots actually are in the Eastern Cape in, um, in Queenstown. But I was saying to someone that I, f- I feel like a fraud when I say I'm indigenous because I have not lived there and I don't, I'm not really in touch with the people's struggles um, except for the work that I've done with like human rights uh, around land. So, yeah, displacement is very violent because it, it strips you of everything that you, that you are. You know, being forcibly removed, you live your people that you've buried. For example, for us... Um, we, home is not just, or land is not just, um, geography. It's, it's spiritual because you bury your, your, your loved ones there. Mm. So when you leave, you leave their bones there. Yeah. That's, it, it's, that's part, part of the, the, the breaking. So you leave that and you start a first somewhere else and people die there and you leave them there. So you leave identity there. You leave language there. I don't speak how people from Queenstown, where my mom is from, I don't speak like them. Mm. So there is like a, I want to be part of that community and I want to be not just someone who helps them write their stories or put them on film. Hmm. I want to, I want to wake up there, but I can't have the job that I, I have if I stay there. I can't have, um, you know, yeah, the security that I have here in, in, in the city if I'm, I'm back there. But that's at the cost of my identity. The fact that I can't say I'm indigenous. And the person that I was speaking to was like, but you're from here. You're from there. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, but I feel like a fraud every time I say yes, because I'm not really in touch. It feels like, yeah, I feel like a heritage day, Hossa woman, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is, which is sad. So, you know, my, 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 my question will be then, I'm thinking of the things that you say mm-hmm. have caused you to move the displacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the comfort of work for the security, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And doesn't, in a sense, I mean, we hear, and we're hearing this, 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 this narrative of how being indigenous is if your lands are undisturbed and left in pristine form, or there's a regeneration, that's what people are hopefully working towards. Right. And the whole climate change, uh, narrative around that. Then, uh, Noni, wouldn't that wouldn't that security not matter? Because if you go back to Queenstown, mm-hmm. you have this reimmersion, uh, and you kind of live off the land. You know, there's this peace, love, and kumbaya version that's, that <laughs> go that back. you know go yeah. back, and everything's yeah. going to be so hunky dory, and you know, being indigenous is so cool, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and therefore, what what is your problem? I mean, you should be able to mm-hmm. to just live. Live off the land and wait for your days to come, and you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you know. So I think maybe just unpack the force, and I'm not being the interviewer, but no, just... <laughs> no. This is yeah. This is a voice that exists, right? Yeah. Somewhere there's someone that's thinking about this, either in a very angry way or even yeah. in a honestly well-intentioned way. Mm. But yeah. Mm. So I think also being brought up in the city, your identity is um, how much you you're making. Uh, what you drive and where you stay. Mm-hmm. So there would have to be an um, an unlearning mm. for me to, mm. to, to go back there because I have been, like in July, I went there and I met a lot of my cousins and people my age who have not had the same opportunities that I ha- I've had because of where they are. Mm. Same dreams, mm. same everything, but just where we're placed means that you don't have the same access. Mm. So... I mean, in an ideal world, I would love to, you know, just raise um, chickens and, you know, um, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to raise chickens and enjoy land, wake up, you know, and not look at the time and, you know, but that's also not how people in those areas live, like, necessarily. Um, It's, 
the idea that I think I've had about uh, the rural communities was changed when I started working there. Because, I mean, I think as people who work in these communities, we walk in and we think we know what they want. Like they want jobs and development and whatnot. But sometimes, like you're saying, they want to just eat from the land, you know. They want to just not have a white man in the middle of their, their food and and them and them mm. living. Mm. So yeah, I would have to unlearn a lot of what I know for me to to find joy in that again. It's amazing. We're in a <laughs> sort of natural place and there's an alarm. Just to make Somehow us all city people us, feel yeah. all <laughs> Somehow a siren found it, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry, just a small complaint. Um. <laughs> but also regardless of where we are, you know, um I always think what grounds us as well, mm-hmm. you know, like when we are born, for example, you know, um, we take the umbilical cord and you put it in the ground and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, that's where my home is. And that is supposed to anchor you to connect you to the land or to the space. Mm-hmm. So for me, regardless, even when, if you go to Europe or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, there should still be that sense of foundation that you have and for me that is your identity regardless because whether you're in the eastern cape or you're in durban or wherever you are um you are bigger than that you know um if you speak of the because amazulu or amakosa mm-hmm. we are part of a nguni group mm-hmm. part of the bandu group mm-hmm. if we emigrated or we moved around the continent we're indigenous to the continent mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we should be able to claim our space as such because then it would be like we're floating and you're like you you easily swayable to wherever you go with the wind but what my thing is that what do we what do we what do we add to this knowledge to these philosophies to this to this earth as well what do we teach other people about us mm-hmm. how do people celebrate us when we are ashamed or uh, you know we're not that you're like, oh no, I don't know, but it's okay, you know, whatever, you know, kind of thing. So how do we, how people, how do people, other people celebrate us mm. when we are afraid to even celebrate mm. ourselves? Mm. I can ask a question though. Do you feel that you are being challenged about being indigenous? I've never felt that. I just think, um, I think sometimes we don't understand ourselves enough mm. and we don't understand our history and then we let people tell us who we are. But for me, I've always just thought I am indigenous, you know, I, I stay with the people. I, I, I'm from this continent. Mm. So for me, I've never felt challenged. And I know that the bigger cause right now is with the Koi and the sand mm. because they have, you know, when you look at things around, there seems to be a lot more injustice, mm-hmm. you know, a- around that whole. So we're putting our energies to actually trying to balance that out. But I've never felt like I've been challenged. But then I think we've been divided, mm-hmm. you know. So the history now, who's telling the history mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. So do we do our own narration now and rewrite the history books mm-hmm. from our own angle, you know? And interrogate what we've been taught about ourselves. Mm. So for me, it's just about that. I don't know. Um, I want to say that uh, I was, I'm trying to highlight the, the trauma of being displaced and what that can do mm. to a person. Mm. Yes, I think as, as people who are um, in the city, <laughs> it's not like there aren't any challenges there uh, as well. So you being there is not your choice, first of all, because your parents had to leave to find work in the yeah. city. So, um, and you're actually doing the same because now you have to continue for, for you to be, to, to live. You have to also move around, like follow the money, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's not, no one really wants to do that because also in that, like you, you feel like you don't belong because one, the, the your identity is being chipped every time you have to move. Mm. There's a, like, um, a chisel to your, to your, identity and um even in this city like i say this it's, it's a challenge because for example i stay in a gentrified part of cape town and i've never planned to i i'm very much for like property rights human rights but because we're placed in in a township where you're literally 
you can hear what's ha- happening next door. You can Absolutely. hear the fight. Absolutely. Your kids can learn like um, that language, the, the violence from yeah. what what's going on around them. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah, you're turned into monsters because you're you're caged like monsters. Mm. And then, but you're expected to show up at work and know how to be and and all those things. And then, so you're like, do I want to continue living here, or do I move to the to to the CBD where it's gentrified? Mm. So like caught between two monsters basically. And I I I I live there, and I'm like, when when I'm in my building, I look down, I I can see poor people there. And I'm not, it's not that I can afford to stay where I'm staying. Mm. It's just that my safety and waking up without anxiety mm. is what, it, it cost me, it cost me that much. So the, there are challenges for people who stay in, 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 um, in big cities and it's not by choice. None, none of us are really there by choice. Mm. You're, you're forced to be where you are and you're forced to know how to be and to just cope with, with everyone is choking basically, of course. you know? So sometimes like the, yes, we would, I would love to find out more about my history, for example, but the, sometimes the more, the more, the, the one that takes more priority is just surviving day to day. You don't have like the, the, the gap yeah, to true. even like, let let me write a textbook. Let me share mm, the yeah. you know mm. how I share what I know or what I've I've learned through sittings like the, yeah. like these is like um, sharing with my niece who's like who's who's five, and I'll say to her, do you know that you know the reason why our hair goes like this? You know, uh, you know mm. just uh, reinforcing how like black pride in them. It's small, but it's it's what I can do right now. Mm. You know what I mean? So I also sense like a lot of sorry to to be long, That's but I also sense cool. like a lot. Um, a lot of like, uh, not, not beef, but like something like mm. people who are from, you're not doing enough to assert yourself as a black person or you're not doing enough to take your, your space. And sometimes people are just too traumatized to actually yeah. be mm. doing anything. Yeah. Um, and also sometimes activism can be, it's exhausting to always constantly fight and be like, uh, I'm just gonna, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be fighting in a, in an obvious way. Sometimes showing up as a black woman actually for me is like a, is me, saying something showing up the way i look mm. is a statement for me it's me acting you know it's activism for me mm. so yeah i think all of us should should um take our, our place but take your place the way you that you works yeah that works for you i think yeah. it touches on this thing of privilege because mm-hmm. uh we, you know when you think what you've just said now the exhaustion mm-hmm. it's really exhausting to have to fight, to have to assert yourself, to have to be, to have to show up, <laughs> you know, just to be there, to be present, and and to be present in a in a in a world, in an ideal world, or in a world of privilege, I think is very different because, at the end of the day, I'm sure you'd want to kick off your shoes, have a glass of wine, and sit down mm-hmm. like all the bougie maids do, yeah. you know. <laughs> but black tax comes in at the end of the month. You realize my salary is the others waiting who've got a budget on my salary mm. you know you cannot like your i don't want to but say explain what black yeah are. i was gonna say uh, <laughs> well it's a sense that you are responsible for helping those in your family mm-hmm. uh once you start working because the assumption is that others and most times it's not an assumption it's the truth others have helped you get where you are financially whether sure. they paid for your school fees your education etc etc and once you start working then you've got to help those behind you yes. And and for many, black text does not stop. Mm. And so while your 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 counterparts would be getting their first car or their first mm, home, sure. the money is not there to do that because you're supporting five or six other people at home. Mm-hmm. Let alone your you're starting with your parents mm-hmm. sure. and then the extended family have these requests. Mm-hmm. So as I said, I'm I'm just saying Noni is that it would be so wonderful to, to, to earn your salary or to get back at the end of the day, not worry about a struggle, not mm. worry about black tax, not worry, yeah. just live your life like yeah. what others do, perhaps even maybe in the Western world or in the more, or those who are more affluent in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And it's a minority who have this affluence mm-hmm. while the majority consistently struggle. And we think about as they do to our mental health, mm. psychologically, mm. how we're impacted by this. Mm-hmm. So. As well, I think it proves as well how the political social conditions mm. have actually affected us, mm. you know, as a people as well, our identity and all these things and our, you know, our lifestyles as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, it just shows that it's actually the politics and the social conditions that, you know, 
Mm. And therefore, we ask, should we then be, because this is the conversation we had earlier, you know, we were talking about climate change and uh, this extinction rebellion. And, uh, oh my gosh, I should not have said my name. <laughs> the, the power of editing. Yeah. Power so, of editing. Later so, on, just yeah. say any name right now. I'll uh. edit it in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, you, and I'm asking myself: Are we've mentioned some of the we've mentioned, and these are not even all, but just some of the things that impact on our lives on a daily basis, or at least that come into our psyche or our thoughts. And then you get the climate change struggle and fight, and there's almost this guilt in a way that we're not. As activists, or at least for me, it's not as, as activists as I should be, because I'm not striking on a Friday and I'm not forwarding a petition and I'm not being you're responding not putting, to this. Yeah. And, and you're I'm, not putting everything on the line, you know. Right? And, I'm not like, and I'm like sacrificing your life. Yeah. How big is this and I'm like, I'm like, yay! No, we won't go. Those are the marches I'm supposed to go to. <laughs> yeah. And am I supposed to do a, uh, an online petition or, or was, was it like a, I was saying earlier? Is this like the 1960s being reinvented with another cause? Because yeah. when you're having socio-economic struggles, I, I, I so want to, I so embrace the environment and what Mother Nature does for us. But when you have the socio-economic struggle on a day-to-day -day basis, the environment does not play a, a prominent role in your space. So we have hunger, we have health challenges, we have educational challenges. And many people in townships in rural areas are not connecting to the bigger climate change issue. But there seems to be this agenda, particularly from the north, that this is the new thing to do. Yes. Fix this and we've got everything exactly. else. Uh, I mean, we're at the yeah. stage we want to say, you know what, buzz off. We've got to, you've eaten all the cake and eaten all the pastries and all the hmm. caviar. Mm, and now no. you tell us, we, we tell us we need to focus on having organic bread. You know, yeah. so I think I think it's 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 people from the south and from from developing countries, and even that term is contested as well. Need to be able to start developing and designing their own narratives. Mm -hmm. We, it's about what we do to, to determine the kind of lives we want. And as a first step, I would say, is as as Ayanda pointed out, is addressing those systems, those systemic the systemic issues, those systems that have put us into these boxes, we need to start shattering. I was at the Extinction Rebellion, at least the first day that they're do they were doing it in Amsterdam. But I, when I say I was at, I don't want to exaggerate my role. I was standing on the side. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and on that day, I lied to some people. Or I didn't quite lie, but I didn't quite tell them. And they said, oh, were you, at, were you there? I said, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't in the street, right? I was on the sidewalk. Yeah. Uh, I, I was behind the police. Yeah. You know, the, the police were staring down people who were yeah. sitting because they were blocking the road, a major mm -hmm. road. And, uh, and I was standing, and I was one of many people. There were almost as many people standing and watching as there were sitting in the road. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I think Extinction Rebellion, look, everything could help, and, and I'm, I'm for it. But there is something, as I'm watching, for example, police slowly, politely, mm -hmm. well, politely, arrest one person, a few minutes later, another person, they're pretty, they're pretty kind, in my opinion. People do the limp thing, right? They know the skills okay. of how to be arrested. So they go limp, right? They, yeah, 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 yeah. Some experts. But as I was watching it, I often, as I said, I'm a cynic at heart and I get frustrated. I, I wonder a lot of times, are we imitating what we think is the way to fix the world? Yeah. Are we inspired so much by pa the past that we want to recreate it, but, but make it fit into the present in some way? And I was thinking, this is all so routine. Mm. Um, you know, like, I want better, despite the fact that I'm the person that's just standing on the side, right? <laughs> but I'm still saying this, uh, hypocrisy and all, as I was thinking there's got to be something stronger, something deeper, because this routine of we will protest, it's like a cat and mouse, uh, you know, mm. we will protest, they will arrest some of us. It will, there'll be a story in the media, but it will pass after a day. Yes, we have social media now, so there'll be a hashtag and there'll be more grassroots noise, if you want to call it that. But this will carry on and, and maybe Extinction Rebellion will really keep coming, mm. right? Maybe it'll mm. even get more innovative. Mm. But the feeling I had being there was, this is limited. 
something about maybe what you were talking about, being busy in our everyday lives, yeah. uh, trying to earn. And, and where I live, people have earned some anyway, mm -hmm. and they're holding on to what they've got. Right? Mm -hmm. I know so many people have a beautiful house, and you ask them how they got it. Well, they inherited it mm -hmm. from their parents. Oh. Mm -hmm. Or someone in their family put forth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. They could never afford the life that they, well, yeah. the house and so forth. But thanks to a lot of help, they've got it now. And they're scared to lose it. And I understand that because I'm often scared to lose the little that I have mm. because it all feels so fragile, right? Mm. Like if I get yeah. sick, I'm a freelancer. So if yeah. I get sick, it's all lost. I'm always mm. thinking of that. Mm. Um, so I don't know. That's the thing I think of with the, and it's not about this specific movement, but mm. it's about how we, we identify one problem, perhaps from a larger, much yeah. larger problem, much yeah. deeper problem that's just mm. too complex. Mm. Um, and we we develop a strategy or we are inspired by some past strategy and we do it. And we think like, this is the thing we need to focus on. And if we, we get this done, the other problems will be fixed. But I don't know. I feel like, yes, there's a, a deeper problem here. And, and one more from me <laughs> and I'll pass it back to you guys if you want. Mm -hmm. um, out of all the stories I've heard the last few days, the one that sort of just kind of pinched me a little like, Oh, really? Um, was a story of Northern Kenya and um, um, it, it is an indigenous community. And it was just the fact that on their land or right next to them, mm. there is a mega project for a wind farm, mm. Mm. right? A wind farm. Mm. Now, I'm older now, but when I was younger, a wind farm was a sign, was a sign of we're being, it's, 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 it's energy, but it's energy that doesn't harm the earth. Mm -hmm. and let's not talk about if you live next to one and the birds and, mm. but still, yeah. it's, it should be a positive thing. But then the, the explanation, and I totally understood it, was that, no, this wind farm, first of all, the power doesn't go to the people in the community oh, if they wanted mm, power. It goes mm, to Nairobi. Oh. Mm. The other thing is it's on the land or it's right next to the land. It's it's taking from us. Mm. And I thought, there it is. That's our world now. Mm. Uh, we do projects. We, we take action in the name of improvement. Mm -hmm. And we harm people, actually. We harm ourselves. And that's us in a nutshell. Like, this is who we are in a sort of circle yeah um now that's a really brief cynical summary but when i heard it i thought this is a metaphor this is a, a symbol you know? mm. yeah. the cynic sorry the cynic <laughs> in me wants to comment on so when i saw the what did they call the friday um yeah yeah Extinction Rebellion. yeah so when i saw those i remember thinking because i was i i couldn't attend any of them uh, but i was like wow i'm actually envious that this cause gets this much attention ah, okay because one my people protest every day for basic water, electricity, just the most, you know, most people don't have to think about taking a dump. You know, it's like basic. You have your morning dump, whatever routine you have. But, <laughs> but they are, they are, they are, you know, there are people in Kailicha, close to where I stay, who don't have um, proper sanitation, like a proper yeah. bathroom. And for them, if, if it happens that at night you need to go to use the bathroom, it's like uh, you have to go up uh, at the back of the houses or whatever, makeshift houses. It's like tin houses. And, you know, people have been protesting for these, like for years. There are people who have stayed in Kailicha in the informal settlement for over like 20 years. Mm. And they don't have housing. There's no real answer. And I'm like, what does it take for people to hear you like they are <laughs> hearing you like this? You know, mm -hmm. does it have to have a, a white face to mm -hmm. it? Because mm -hmm. my people protest every day for how for, for land for, I mean, against gender-based violence. What does it take for a cause to um, to garner so much support? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that jealousy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, that's very. Yeah, what does yeah. it take? What does it take for 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 you to be listened to? Yeah, and it, um, just what Unione is saying, it, it's so cool, you know, sometimes I watch the news and then I see all these placards, they've been printed out. They're Clever like, you know, you like, you type, yes, it's, it's printed out and it's like all perfect and, you know, people are protesting. And I just feel like the real people are affected by most of these things. They've become numb, you know. It's just like, you know, when people say you go to these townships and you see people drinking, it's just like we feel hopeless, you know, sometimes. And you just like, you know, so I guess that's why then you get people who are actually going to protest on those people behalf yeah. as well, because it's just like, what can we do? And then, you know, maybe once those people with those perfect placards and everything, maybe something different will happen for those people who are really like feeling hopeless.
you know. So I think it's quite sad the whole, you know, the way it works. The, the way that yeah, that everything is looking at the moment, and yeah, and how we've been driven how to protest as well, you know. So and the issues that are of priority right now as well, you know, because people are just trying to survive. Yes. You know, we don't have water for three months, six mm. months in our villages, and nobody comes there, you know? Mm. And we've got, it just, it depends, you know? Mm. Yeah. You know what Ntolazi was saying earlier about, I think uh, when we were asked, what would, what do you think the earth is saying? And she was like, um, eradicate white supremacy, whatever, deal with the, I always, at first I was like, oh, okay. But I realized, you know, you can't address you can't address um, climate change and ignore the fact that there are people who um, who don't have land, who don't have access to these things. You're saying fix the, um, the I don't know, the ozone layer or whatever. But there are people who, it's almost like you, you, you care about the bigger picture, but not really the bigger picture. Because there, there's people who live this in, in this earth, but are not enjoying it because of where they are placed. If you're placing people um, around land that they can't use, for example, if you're taking their land and giving them land that they can't use, mm-hmm. and then you're, you're saying let's use, um, I don't know, pasta straws or, or whatever, which is great, and I, I do do that. Yeah, but it's just like, how can you how can you talk about um, healing the earth and but forgetting about the people? Like, it, it for me, it, it's so odd that you're busy fighting let's keep the earth but you don't care how the people in it are living and who's doing more damage who's doing more who's doing more damage yeah as well and mm. who's suffering who's taking the band for it or taking the fall for it mm. as well mm. you know so i think some would argue that that you you care for the earth and then the earth then cares for the people mm-hmm. you know that kind of narrative yeah you ask know. the earth things and then there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that that that's sometimes a bit. I agree. You know, the the, the environmental component is 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 a great one, and and maybe in that sense, is the connection to to our traditional indigenous communities in terms of how how are they able to create this this link to to this topic? You know, people people. I mean. We hear and we see there's the whole conversation around indigeneity and how indigenous people will, uh, are being affected, and they are. You yeah. know, the, the, the biological hotspots are being targeted and targeted by the same, the same systems mm-hmm. that create this disposition in the townships, mm-hmm. in, in, in the cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, it's, it's, it's about finding ways of, of, of in, in a small way, because we may not be able to go back to indigenous communities, but it's 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 making this connection and establishing a relationship with the earth. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's about being able to. There are certain practical things I think that we're going to have to start doing, hmm. or else we're going to find ourselves feeling really hopeless. Hmm. And so, having a pot plant in your house, hmm. you know, having yeah. a small vegetable garden where you mm-hmm. are, uh, taking a walk in in a, in a space that's green. Uh, shutting out the technology for part of your day. You know, it is possible, and it is possible. It, it is, is possible. possible. I can confirm that. You know, um, there's an you know. app. I know an app. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think I think instead of us beginning to have this hopelessness, because I concur with what you're saying, this whole new fight. But we are in. The, we are part of the Earth community, and while our brothers and sisters, our our brothers with two wings and our sisters with four legs may not be able to articulate and we should be the ones I, I, I am so passionate about that we should be the ones articulating on their behalf we should be the ones articulating on behalf of the mountains and the rivers and the oceans and and therefore being an integral part and seeing our ancestral connection to them mm-hmm. for in some sense they are our ancestors as well it's when we start making this connection instead of being separated as been so designed. Our separateness is what's been capitalized on. Yeah. Mm. And when we start to make this connection to, to the other beings, I, I, it won't be an extinction rebellion, but it will be a rebellion of all species. Mm. It will be a connection to all species. Yeah. And it won't be a fad because you know that from, from as you go forward within your life, 
everything you do has this consciousness. There's a consciousness about what we're doing, and in so doing it, it does not mean that we have to tick a box to say we've attended a, uh, an Extinction Rebellion Friday, but it's every day being conscious of what I do and my impact and how it is, where I am, and in the spaces, whether you're in a township, whether you're in a city. The other thing is how are we speaking to each other about this? Mm. We start creating our own conversations, and when we're comfortable with those conversations, we are then able to invite others into it. But when so we, we are not comfortable, we can't even join in others' conversations because we don't even know how to speak about it. So it's beginning to understand the language that is also important. And not, I'm not talking about a vernacular, mm. but it's the language of that that's currently happening. There's an education that needs to happen, and that takes time, and it needs us to engage with it. So yeah, those from the, from the north, listen to us. <laughs> join us. <laughs> And then we can decide if we want to march with us. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm available. If you want to mobilize me. <laughs> um, hey, we've, I've, I've asked you guys and, and you've been very kind to, to sit with me and share these thoughts. And then, you know, the fact that it's being recorded is never quite as what is it, uh, authentic as yeah. real life, yeah. mm -hmm. but I appreciate it. And it means a lot. I, I, I hope you enjoyed it. And I think the audience will also get something very great. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, so I want to say thank you. And I know that recorders are an invasion in our lives, but, uh, thanks. This felt, this felt yeah. real though. Thank like you. I've done podcasts before. Yeah. This felt like I was talking to people. Well, I have been seeing your faces for like five days. That helps. So. <laughs> no, thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Let's do this again one day in the future when also to talk about how things are. Look at this. This is better. This is good. Mm. But you know, Mark, I think what would be interesting is for those particularly having certain struggles in other parts of the world who may be listening to this, yeah. would you be able to feed that back to us so that we could understand, you know, we never would get it from text mm. or... But, but just understand to hear what, the voices. What, what, to hear the voice or their yeah. thoughts around this because it would be very interesting. Maybe, you know, what we're experiencing here is unique because it's belonging to this country, perhaps this continent. Mm. But others are having their struggles too. Mm. And, uh, I think that, and I think it's in that struggle we may start to see and connect to our humanity. So I'm, oh, yes. I'll be quite interested oh, yes. in hearing what, yeah. what are their thoughts. Yeah. I, I can help you with that. Yes, yeah. yes. And yeah, I mean, this is podcast probably 500 something. Uh, in my in my collection oh. and I would say 300 plus have been about struggle oh. struggle person versus person person versus environment person versus themselves oh. so you know different versions of a similar theme um, and and there's something to be shared and learned through it so yeah uh, anyway cool thank you so Thanks. much Ciao. Bye -bye. see you next time Ciao. Cool. And there you have it, some information, some experiences, some good news, as well as some bad news about how the complex world of identity works. I think about this conversation a lot. It's been now two or so weeks since the gathering, and I wonder what you think. And as one of my guests expressed, actually all of my guests expressed, they would like to hear from you wherever you are in the world. So you can go to citizenreporter.org and you can do something truly rebellious and unique. Leave a comment. Nobody does that anymore. You can leave a comment and it doesn't use a Facebook account. Talk about rebellion. Uh, or you can send me an email, uh, the old address, bicyclemark at gmail.com. Or you can go to Twitter at bicyclemark. Mark is spelled with a K. I don't know. I mean, it's social media. I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. Uh, I just think it's a way that you could send feedback. You could also record a message and email it to me. I'll, I would play it. And I want to say once again, thank you to everyone who's been listening. I want you to know if you're new to the world of podcasts, there are ways that you can follow a show. And when I say follow, I mean you get the new program whenever it's out. It's, it's a joy. I, I tell you, I've been listening to podcasts for some 15 years. So if you have a smartphone, uh, there's an application for podcasts. That many are out there and they're free. And then you can subscribe. That's what I ask. That's my message. Subscribe to Citizen Reporter, or you can Google my name, Mark Fonseca, Rendeiro, Bicycle Mark. You will find me. Uh, and then you can subscribe. Anyway, 
I appreciate you listening. I just think it's always fun to continue the conversation. So let's find ways to do it. I'll be back real soon with some more very great stories continuing this series from South Africa. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks to my guests. Talk to you soon. See ya. Scrapers seemingly shoot out of bare soil, replacing the buildings of the past. Whole city blocks are being torn down and built up again, proceeding at a faster pace than any nation in history. The old, witness of our diverse heritage, is vanishing. The United States is a land of contrast, from the picturesque to commercial sections offending the sense of beauty, to skyscraper images revealing the nation's resourcefulness, which is the true identity. Who is that guy?